I want to hear some oh, dirt, dirt on Mark. <laughs> dirt on Mark. Okay. Um, I don't know. Like he's all, he's always giving me a hard time for, for my first interview. Um, it's not really dirt on Mark. It's just a funny story about Mark. And so I come up for my first interview, 19, you know, in college and I walk in and I sit in his recliner. That was my first mistake. <laughs> Never my seen another mistake man. Did you, kick the, did you kick the footrest back too? That was my second mistake. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I kicked my foot back, threw my hands behind my head, and uh, so you have any questions for me? <laughs> and he tells me this story now. He's like, that kid is either the dumbest son of the gun I ever met or, or cocky. And he said, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> This segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Ram Trucks. Guts, glory, Ram. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, episode number 170. I am Tim Chelsvik. I'm Matt Drury, and despite people's best efforts to muzzle us, yet here we are. Basically, that's the beauty of the internet. We'll Anybody has a voice, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which I keep getting conspiracy videos from my aunts and uncles, right? I think they've got way too much time on their hands during pandemic. Well, listen, that demographic in general, a, that age demographic, they're, they're, them and Facebook. If they see something, they believe it instantly. instantly. It's like, I got, I got a video about uh, like a, sanita- a sanitation worker, like a guy that was driving a garbage truck that had all the inside information on what the government is doing right Makes now. Sense. I was like, okay, uh, hey, I'll listen to this I guy. <laughs> he should, he should know better. Yeah. Well, uh, so, so we're following up a really big podcast that we had last week, episode number one sixty nine, yep. where we we uh, we let loose the information that we will be shooting Matthews going forward. Yeah. So if you missed it, head back. It was a short and sweet one. We had Mark and Terry on. We just wanted to kind of get it out there and kind of explain the thought process through it. And I think it's only like 12, 13 minutes. It's yeah. super short. So if you don't really chance, like it, if you hate our voices, <laughs> yeah. well, they hate our voices. They probably aren't listening no. at all. So that's a good point. That's hey, if Mark and Terry were on every week, just think of how big this podcast could be. It would be successful. It would be. <laughs> but As opposed in, to what it is now. Instead, we have. We got a bunch of crickets, but we do have some shout outs from our listeners. We love it when you guys hop on your podcast player and you review us and especially reviews in the Apple, uh, in the Apple podcast app really help us out. Yeah. This shout out you put on here. I don't believe this is this guy's real name, but go ahead. It's probably not (laughs) because I don't think anyone can have a legal name consisting only of numbers. Yeah. So from three, five, three, six, three, four, seven, four. I wonder if that's his phone number, his social security missing just a couple digits. Yeah. (laughs) It's probably pretty close. So uh, I don't know what their gender is, but they say after y'all's episodes, uh, all y'all's episodes are the superb best. They help so much. Thank you. Yeah, buddy. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking and and talking are are two different things. Dude, it's a lot harder than you would think. I mean, I'm trying to like be real quick on the soundboard, but I find myself in the conversation. No, I I totally get it. Wait a second. We have a sound for that. I'm trying. I'm still trying to learn guitar right now. And maybe that's a sound effect we should have. (laughs) No, we have very few listeners right now. We're going to have less if I do that. But we're not only going to pick the best of the best of our reviews. We're going to be real with this. 
Oh, okay. I see this next one. This is the first time I'm reading it. So I agree it's with thing I do the show I, sheet. To I agree with it. this guy. So let's roll. Let's. <laughs> Hunter Bubba Hall says, please stop the word of the day. I think it's terrible and a complete waste of time. Other than that, I love the show. Keep them coming. <laughs> you know, you have to give the guy extra credit. And you have to give his feedback a little more credibility because he's not 100% negative. Hey, yeah, he's a halfway fan. So kudos to this guy. Yeah, thanks. Bubba All right. Hall. So what's next? We diving in? Featured Dirt. Okay. This is a new segment that we had. We, we've done one one episode so far, and it was with Terry. It was the 248. It's when we had Toxie Hayes on and, and the guys at Mossy Oak Properties. And that thing has sold. Yeah, well, hey, listen, it's under contract. Let's not get ahead There's of ourselves. There's a lot of steps in that process. <laughs> yeah, let's not It just shows the power of the podcast, though, really. That, that, you know what? That's a good point. I think we Don't should be do surprised. Just be like, yeah, yeah it that's, does. That's right, Tim. <laughs> so, all right, so let's dig into it. So, the Mossy Oak Properties Featured Dirt is a 947 acre. Oh, wait, let me start over. 947 acres of beautiful rolling hills located in western Kentucky in Crittenden County along the Cumberland River. Man, it's beautiful there in the fall. <laughs> the property <laughs> <That's> country. <laughs> that's right. The property includes a mix of open fields and timberlands with pond with ponds and river frontage and has been managed by the National Wild Turkey Federation with an eye on conservation, habitat, and land improvement. It's got to be good. It's got to be good for turkeys if they're managing it. I am thinking about buying it right now, just hearing you read this. <laughs> well, I'm pretty electric. <laughs> this farm has it all with great deer, turkey, ducks, and other small game. It also has areas that are suitable for duck impoundments and offers fishing along the river and pond. If you're looking for an opportunity to own a large tract of ground, then this property fits the bill. One more info, check out the link in the show notes. Google Mossy Oak Properties 49017 or call agent Paul Thomas, 270-537-4422. Bam. Featured dogs. <laughs> and if you purchase that piece of property from listening to the show, we'll come hunt it for you. I, at the very least, would give you advice on what I would not do, which is a lot of things, because I don't know what I'm doing half the time. So Just do the opposite of what Mattery tells you to do. That's and you're in, in good in, shape in life. I hear somebody <laughs> chuckling. Someone's I, giggling. I think it's our next guest. Let's dive into it. We got Wade Robinson by viewer request on the show with us today. I, Wade, I think it was his wife, Kyle, requesting it, but <laughs> we won't dive into it. So Wade, if, if you're living under a rock, uh, Wade is the farm manager for Mark. And that's not, I mean, that's, that's about, you know, 20 different little satellite farms, a big farm, a big farm here, yep. two states, uh, three states, Texas. I mean, Wade does a lot of work and has been with us. I mean, how many years has it been now, Wade? Uh, this is my 10th fall. So wow, look at this guy. How you have stayed with Mark for 10 years, I will never know. <laughs> well, well, that's still up in the air. I don't know how either, but it's been great. It's been well, great. one of the, the word on the street is Mark is particular about things. No. Mark so. and Terry are the most two particular people in opposite ways that I've ever met. <laughs> so anybody that works with them on a day, day in and day out basis and, and works for them and something that they care so much about, especially like their farms. Yeah. I mean, th th these guys work their butts off and it's not just that it's not just the kind of 24 seven farm work they got to do. Then you go into the hunting the season stuff and, and their 
camera guys, they're hunters, they're everything in between guides, you know, yep. we have guests in. So these guys wear a lot of different hats and, and do a hell of a job at it. So, well, uh, not to add any added pressure to Wade. And I don't know if you thought about it this way, but really the whole like jury outdoors doesn't work if Mark and Terry aren't killing deer. And so Correct. that's, that's a big process and a big system. And so there's a lot of weight on those sweaty shoulders of yours, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually we were uh, out just uh, loading analogics in the truck, to go put that out and uh, put our first round of cameras out to get that first survey in. So yeah, you guys are excited to get that in. You guys, Mark's uh, notorious for, for trying to wait as long as he can. So he doesn't get a bunch of, you know, deer in early July where they're, cause he's got so many cameras out. Exactly. There. Yeah. He's just got so many cameras and you know, they're not fully developed till late July anyway. So we try and get our cameras out around July 25th, July 20th. Um, we'll start putting them out. And it uh, seems like our best photos are from about July 25th through about August 10th, our best summer photos. So, Well, yeah. the reason that our viewers wanted and listeners wanted Wade on the show, I think is because they want the background. Like they want to know behind the scenes, what are some of the principles? Like how do you guys manage these properties in a way that consistently produce quality whitetails because ultimately people want to know, know how to do this stuff for themselves. Well, and the other part about it, these guys are really successful during the fall. So yeah. it's not only that they're, look, I have a couple decent deer on my farm because I can't kill them. <laughs> these guys are killing their <laughs> deer every year, every year. And, and they always have an up and comer, always it's have consistent. an up and comer. Yeah. So yeah, it, 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 it'll be interesting to dive into it here and, and kind of get your thoughts, Wade, because it's, you guys have been doing it very well for a long time and it's very consistent. And I think that's what every hunter is looking for consistency in what their farm, what the deer, what the deer herd is yeah. producing year what in and year out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <You> suck, yeah. <laughs> and I, and I think like the biggest part is, is like back to whenever you said how particular Mark is, um, Not you know, like said that, I, whenever I started this job, I didn't really know. I, I did a little bit of farming on the side and a, a lot of hunting, but no camera work, no nothing. So, um, Mark kind of taught me how he liked it done yeah. and that's all I know. So, you know, I think that has helped me a, a lot just go on uh, throughout all these years, um, you know, just listening to Mark and doing, you know, what he says. And it has, I don't know, just made us mesh together that much better because I didn't really know any other way than his way. So, you know, I wasn't never uh, controversial with him or anything on anything. So just go with what he thinks and it's worked out great. So it's hard to argue. The track record is pretty much there. So it's one of those things where, you know, you started what, when you were probably like 19, 19. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, we all probably like to think we know everything, but kudos to you because you, you know, you kind of sit back and you say, Hey, whatever you learn. Yeah. Whatever you, you can learn yeah. so much from Mark and Terry because their strategies, they've, they've tried everything. Yeah. And so what they've, uh, what resonates with them now, it's been through trial and error. And that's what we show on 13. That's what we show mm -hmm. on DeerCast app. That's what we talk about on the podcast. I think that's why they've succeeded through the years. It's always been trial and error. And, and what we present is what we find 
that has worked. Right. And so if you're working for them, there's a lot that can be learned there. I think back Aaron Bennett, Tim Sigler, there's a lot of guys that have come through the ranks mm-hmm. and, and Ryan Arup that have, have helped them on the farms through the years. And those guys always go on to, you know, be very knowledgeable in the whitetail woods. Sure. And, and, and Aaron, he's a very successful uh, listing agent, you know, mm-hmm. for, for land. And so it's one of those things where you find out what you need to look for exactly. Not only when you're surveying a piece of property, but how to plant it, how to hang it, how to hunt it, all yeah. of it. It's like anything in life. As long as you have enough humility to learn as you go, you're going to keep making progress. For sure. So, so wait, I'm curious, like what overarching principles have you learned from Mark over the years? What are some of the kind of the rules, the things you do always and the things you'd never do just kind of big picture? Yeah. Well, um, I would say number one, um, just being able to keep deer on the farm is, is Mark has always been really big on this. It's, it's go in one time with everything you need. Like if you're going to go in and do a food plot, granted, you can't do all the steps in one day, mm-hmm. but do as many as you can one time in one time out. So you're not pushing the deer that you're trying to hunt off the farm. So biggest thing is just, you know, make your trips, uh, as least as possible in and out of the farms and through the farms. Yeah. It's basically so, the, the intrusion side of it. You know, yeah, we talk about that all really the time. Intrusion. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Try not to, to put your sin out there. Even in the off season, it does more damage than you think. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, always whispering on the farms, you know, just trying to, to, to be as, as covert as possible, if you will. So, yep. That's, you know, that's, that's a huge thing with Mark and, you know, other than that, you know, that, I mean, that kind of sums up pretty much everything. Just the least amount of intrusion on the farm, the better. Does the whispering stop once you're off the property or do you guys continue <laughs> to whisper to each other? Well, well, actually we catch ourselves whispering once we get back in the truck. We're like, Jeez. okay, we're in the truck. What are we whispering? <laughs> the doors are closed. It's over. Yeah. We don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. So. so on the, so I, I get that side, the intrusion side, but <clears throat> strategies on food plot architecture, what, you know, general principles, what have you kind of learned on that side of things? You know, we, we always like to watch, like if we get a new farm, we always like to watch and, and try and figure it out the first year. And then, you know, we'll go in and make a, a kill plot. Like if we're hunting over like a big standing bean field or something, we'll go in and make a green field. Uh, to a design where it's a lot easier to bow hunt. And, um, you know, another thing like on the planting side of things is we like to, uh, air to the side of a little bit later on the planting, um, just so that it's more palatable as soon as season hits, because, uh-huh. you know, you see some guys planting early, uh, you know, early to mid July and, you know, they got beautiful green, uh, food plots, um, because they got all the rain. Um, but you know, they ain't going to be as good as they could be until a little bit later in the year. Once those, uh, the frost sit and, and turns those bulbs and stuff a little bit sweeter. But so like on, on the food plot planting side of things, we always air granted, you have to, to work with the rain, but Mm -hmm. air towards a little bit later, like, uh, August 20th in Iowa is whenever we try and try and get most of our stuff in. And it seems like the palatability is about perfect come October 1st. Yeah. And, and in Missouri, you are about the same in September 15th when the season opens. So basically you're trying to capture that green, you know, the growth as it's coming up and it's kind of the most nutritious. Yeah. Yeah. And, and whenever your beans turn, start to turn yellow, you get that huge green, green transfer that where all the, 
uh, the bachelor groups and stuff are transferring off those big destination fields right to your food plot. Which I imagine gives you an edge over your neighbors who maybe planned it as soon as they could just to get everything in. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they'll definitely prefer those young green growing plants over those big lush <laughs> three foot plants. So in the early seasons. Mm-hmm. I think one of the misnomers might be that you guys have, you know, one big farm. It's, uh, you know, several thousand acres or, or what have you, but it's really, you guys succeed. What I've always marveled at Mark and, and you guys is the, the plan that you have. It's satellite farms. It might be 90 Absolutely. acres, 120 acres. Not that that's not, I mean, those are big farms, yeah. you know, as well, but it's not that it's always this big thousand acre track. It's a lot of times you guys are su- succeeding Very off of strategic. what, yeah, what we call yeah. these satellite farms. Yeah. And one of our best Missouri farms is a 40 acre piece. Actually, Taylor killed uh, Morris there last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we always seem to succeed there every single year. But, um, you know, I think Mark's biggest uh, reasoning for all these satellite farms, he's switched over. You know, he had big farms in the past, but, you know, he's kind of transferred over to uh, several different satellite farms uh, once EHD started really kicking, kicking our butts. And, you know, EHD is so pockety. Um, it allows for other farms to be good if one gets hit, because if you have one big farm and it gets hit, you know, you have nothing. You're wiped out. The season's season's done. So, you know, we've got farms spread out in Iowa, I would say, uh, roughly 30 miles, you know, Mm -hmm. 30 miles from the North farm to our South farm. So, you know, I, th- I think the satellite strategy definitely has been working for us. And are you really guys well. moving equipment between all those properties? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got, we got a little, uh, little trailer and tractor that we bounce from satellite farm to satellite farm. But, but most of our stuff is within a 10 mile radius. I could, I could drive, uh, our big tractor and bigger implements to those, but yes, on our, on our far South farms and our far North farms. Yeah. We have to trailer, trailer the littler tractor up and, um, you know, transfer it that way. Well, and that goes into Mark's thought process when he's looking at a farm, whether it's to lease or to own, he's, you know, he doesn't, we, I had an opportunity. I just passed over to him yesterday, him and Terry, and he's like too far for me. And it might be, you know, it's maybe it's a, it's on the Iowa, Missouri border, yeah. but it's just too far East for him. Doesn't fit the yeah. strategy. Exactly. He, he very much stays within his strategy of, of the, the, you know, Missouri, the Northern Missouri, you know, area that you guys are in or that Southern yeah. Iowa area that you're yeah. in. And that goes, that just goes back to, uh, what I was talking about earlier with our food plot strategies. You know, we always wait, you got about, <laughs> a, ooh, maybe not even 24 hours. It's hours. Uh, to get all the food plots in, to get them to the right palatability. You know, you got rain, you always watch for that rain coming and and you just got a few hour window to get them all in. So, you know, if you got a farm an hour and a half away, you have to trailer everything down there. Heck, you're looking at a day at least just to do that Mm -hmm. farm by itself. Whereas up here, you could bounce and get a lot of it done. (laughs) So these guys are always busy, you know, but this, when we talked about having weight on, I'm like, this might be about our last chance because they're fixing to get to where Mark's going (laughs) to be running them 24 seven to get all those food plots in. And really, as you guys create your plan, you're looking at a map and you're saying, all right, I got to get the implement from this farm to this farm. So you got to have a strategy as you work your way up through it. And that's, that's the kind of the mad scientist at work and figuring out, you know, figuring out how and what, and to basically utilize your time to the best of your ability. I packed a bunch of stuff this morning before I left to come here because I'm going to go hang a stand after work tonight. And 
Like it's not a big deal. If I forget something, my house is like 15 minutes from the property. If you guys forget something like it's, <laughs> it's more of yeah. a hassle. That, that, again, that goes back to my point earlier about having everything you need in one trip. Cause one thing that will uh, upset Mark and that's making multiple trips, <laughs> unnecessary multiple trips to a farm. Yeah, I was about I to say that. Imagine. Like, you guys, poor guys had to learn. Yeah, the you, don't wanna, you don't want to make that phone call. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll never let you live it down. <laughs> oh, no. No, you'll hear about it for the next least week over dinner every night. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I'm fascinated by is Mark's process for placing a blind and the access and how he plants around that. Maybe talk through that whole process. Yeah. Again, access is is number one. You've got to have a good access in and out because if you come in and are blowing deer out, not even knowing it, the deer ain't there to even hunt. So you're not going to see them. So access is number one. And then, um, like we plant to, to our pictures from the previous years, like when deer show up, when we're trying to target certain deer. So like, um, if we're trying to target a deer in the earlier seasons, you know, we use the, the deer radishes, um, we'll put them close within bow range. And then, you know, maybe something like uh, winter bulbs and sugar beets, mm-hmm. uh, or, or, uh, last bite for a little bit later in the season, if we're trying to gun hunt at the, at the further distances, but you know, we always try and make our, our green field substantial enough to, to draw as many deer as possible. Um, so we just use the, the different product strategy uh, to get the deer cl- close with a bow during early season. We always either do clover or radishes. Yeah. seems like a really good early season product for them. And then, uh, you know, whenever we switch over to the muzzleloaders and shotguns, you know, we'll uh, put winter bulbs and sugar beets or, or last bite out at a, at a, further distance. So we still got the full green and, and they'll browse around on the other mm-hmm. stuff, but it seems like the biggest draw early season for uh, archery is, is the radishes. This stuff, when you hear it, you just think, duh, that makes so much sense. But yeah. these guys had to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I did not listen to Mark and Terry on that for a couple of years <laughs> and I never saw any success on the lease. I never saw any deer you know, it was, it was the wrong time timing. Yeah. Like, and then last year I finally had planted radishes and it was unbelievable early season. They just mauled it, you know? So it just, I don't know. Sometimes you get in your own way and, and the information's out there. You just, it, mm-hmm. it's, there's so many choices. Sometimes you outthink yourself. You right. know what I mean? Right. And, yeah. and this is not a shameless plug for deer cast, but people will ask like, Hey, what should I plant when, or there's so much of that in deer cast, especially in the gamekeepers tips yeah. segment of the DOD portion of the app. There's so much there so that people don't have to struggle through and learn this stuff on their own and waste time in the field. Yeah. We did a bunch of interviews with Austin Delano from uh, biologic, yep. Mossy Oaks biologic. And uh, he, he, you know, we got, I don't know how many tips are in there. There's probably 20 or so at least. So <laughs> yeah, because and, go ahead, Wade. And, and another thing, uh, you know, like to food plot architecture, you know, we always try for like, if we're, again, trying to hunt early season with a bow. Uh, if we carve something out in a, in a bean field, um, we always like to do like a football size, uh, uh, green field, like uh, 50 yards to the left, 50 yards to the right and 50 yards across. And it allows for you to shoot about the whole plot. Mm. Um, you know, and if you're wanting a little bit more substantial size field, um, we'll do the, the horseshoe shape and, and make them walk within bow range. Um, uh, you know, at that pinch, you know, right in sure. front of you and do, 
do stuff a little bit further for later season. And we actually just designed a new food plot yesterday, had my stepbrother up and uh, we did that same exact deal. We had a, uh, we just made a berm of cedars uh, to make them walk around the horseshoe uh, right within bow range. So it's going to be an awesome plot and I'm pretty certain we'll, we'll have success on that plot. So nice. Those are our, those are our two favorite uh, shapes of food plot, if you will, the football size and then the horseshoe and they, they, they work to perfection. And if you get uh, real crafty, you make a little pond right at the tip of the horseshoe. Um, I don't, I'm sure everybody has seen uh, that project that we worked on down there on that 120 farm, that, that horseshoe shaped deal with yeah. the watering hole right there at 30 yards. It's just absolutely perfect. We can link that too. I remember, sure. I know what you're talking about there. It was, it's one of the videos, what people love getting to digging into those land management videos from yeah. Mark or Terry and seeing 100%. just how they're taking a blank kind of slate and, and putting their touch on it. Cause the reality yep. is if you're doing this work, you're spending money and you're spending yeah. time. So why not do it right and do it the most effectively and get some return on that? For sure. hundred yeah, percent. So, you know, one of the things that is not food plot related, I want to know, I want to hear not like food plot. Yeah. I want to hear a funny story about Mark. <laughs> dirt. I want oh. dirt uh, on the boss. <laughs> oh, he won't watch funny this. story on Mark. Mm. He won't watch what? it. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll watch it. <laughs> he'll watch it what to see what I have to say. say. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I have to think about that one. We'll have to come back to that one, but I'll, I'll come up with something. All right. We're coming back to it. Well, how about we help out our buddy, Chad, who has this week's question of the day. All right. The question of the day is probably brought to you by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Your adventure starts here. What are some good minerals to use or what minerals do you guys use on your farm in Iowa and Missouri? Thank you, Chad, for the question. Another listener who is being held at gunpoint while delivering <laughs> they're always, the question. They're always scared to death. <laughs> yeah, so it's a good question. But before we jump into it, in some of our spots, like in Missouri, you know, certain counties, you can't put yeah. that stuff out. CWD is, is Mercer is one of those counties, isn't it? You guys. You- uh, correct. Yeah, it's it's a, it borders a CWD county. So we're, we can't put out minerals in there at that, at that county. But we do have another couple farms in Harrison County that we are able to to put out mineral in. Yeah. Yeah. And I have one in Pike that, that I can as well. So, uh, but go ahead. What's your, I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but go for it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, most of it, we just rely on, uh, on anal- the analogics line, uh, whether it be supplement gold, you know, as, as a feed, but has tons of mineral and tons of attraction. I, like I said earlier, that's what we're actually putting out right now for our camera surveys and and they absolutely just hammer it early August. Um, we get some of the best pictures within uh, 10 days to two weeks. We have every buck that's on the farm hit that pile of analogics. And we'll do about 75 to 100 pounds um, in each camera spot. And man, they, they consume it within that two weeks for sure. So, yeah. uh, but, you know, we also uh, put out the uh, 180, the mineral dirt 180. Yep. And, We've, we've seen really good success over that, but man, it's hard to beat that supplement gold. We just, uh, we feed it in the off season, uh, right after uh, season in February. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we put out a little bit bigger majority or we put a, out a little bit bigger piles, uh, that time of yeah. year, but you got literally the whole farm on that pile of feed and it just pushes them on through the, 
through those winter months whenever there's a foot of snow on the ground. So that's our go-to for sure. Yeah. Mineral dirt for me, which I, I use the supplement gold as well. Um, but the mineral dirt, you, you know, they also have those blocks mm-hmm. and they right. have stuff that you can pour like a liquid that you could pour over it. And it's, I mean, like some of the biggest deer I've ever had on the lease, they just are, they get addicted to it. It's crazy. How's it taste? Uh, it tastes like apple. Ah, our persimmon <laughs> based on what you like. Lick in your finger. <laughs> well, that ah. liquid, I just kind of jug it like out of the mouth, swish jug. it around a little yeah. bit. Mm, it's delicious. It's going to be a great day. <laughs> Save some for the deer, Matt. That's right. They just like Granny Smith apple. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Some stuff smells better than it tastes. Yeah, yeah. like coffee. Well, and that's yeah. that. Um, I mean, I've seen it. Like, say I run out of analogics or whatever, and I just have to stop at MFA and grab you know, a couple, you know, 50 pound bags of corn or something just for summertime camera surveys and the amount of pictures I get. And I think anybody would attest like, Hey, you put corn out, you're going to get great pictures. It's not even close. The amount of pictures you get when I throw out that, that gold, the anti gold, it's not even close. They just maul it. It's freaking crazy, man. It's unbelievable. The consumption rate on that stuff. Like I said, whenever there's a, put a snow on the ground we put out a lot in one spot and it's gone within two weeks it's and unbelievable you guys will you won't pile it up you'll draw kind right. of draw out a line you know across yeah. a field yeah. edge we or something because we just put it in our gravity wagons and we just put out a long a long line of it maybe a uh, hundred yards hundred yards long and you know maybe like eight ten inches deep and you know, just so that the deer aren't all in one spot and have yeah. that social mm-hmm. stress on them. They're spread out and it, it just works. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. And it, and it great. It's helpful for finding sheds too, because you go back to uh, put more feed out and just pick them up right off the pile. <laughs> yeah. And really, I mean, the, the ultimate reason to, that you guys are doing it, the health side of it, is oh. crazy the benefits especially that time of year when they're kind of malnutrition yeah, a little bit out. after the season's over and they've been running hard so it's it it helps in a lot of different ways and the attractant side is just a really big benefit for yeah. shed hunting or for yeah. camera surveys mm-hmm. in the summer or whatever so sure. yeah. we could probably do a whole additional podcast on the concepts of social stress because i know that's something mark always talks about that yeah. doesn't get a whole lot of play in kind of the general whitetail world. Yeah. And I think Dr. Grant Woods was so influ- influential on Mark and Terry and their mindset sure. in, in that regard. And then of course they spend so much time out there watching the deer herd and just hunting every day, day in and day out. They can see Living it for themselves. The yeah. So uh, I think, I think it's something over time that they've really evolved into tr- trying to put the least amount of stress on the herd as possible. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and there's a lot of benefits and one just happens to be that they, antler growth too and less stress and better antler growth sure it seems like those farms that have less deer always have that bigger deer too you know you know you may have just a few deer on the whole farm but it seems like it allows those those bucks to get that much bigger versus a farm where there's 50 to 100 deer in the field every single night you know just kind of seems like it shrinks them down. They all look the same. And that's Terry's, that's been Terry's pro- uh, problem really since day one on, on his farm there in Missouri. And he, he gets yeah. really aggressive trying to harvest those mm-hmm. and having people helping him harvest those. And, and it just doesn't, 
I, you know, EHC hit last year. So we'll see this year, you know, if it makes any difference, but so far based on what the cameras are showing them, it doesn't seem like it's, it's just, they always seem to grow about beautiful deer. You know, I'm talking the 150 to hundred, he might have something touch 160 every once in a while, but it's a rare, it's a rare occasion when he gets something that's 170 or or higher. And, and there's really no reason there shouldn't be deer there. He's got a decent <laughs> sized property. It's beautiful. It's one of the it's, most beautiful farms I've ever seen. The it's amount of food that, you know, that they plant, it's crazy, but they got too many too deer. Many. And it's just, and no matter how many he tries to harvest, it's almost like he just can't keep up with it. it yeah. And, and, and that's, that's kind of like, I was talking to one of our deer cast contributors, Aaron Merrill, who is out in Maine and she just cannot believe the sheer numbers of deer. That we, I mean, they got people out there that hunt by tracking a single deer crazy. through the woods, over yeah. the mountains, and <laughs> hoping to get a glimpse of it. And here, wow. we're like fighting through a mess of does and smaller bucks to find something that that we want to that we want to harvest. Yeah, totally different world. Yeah, and you know, I think it's even to- totally different for maybe your average farm you know in the midwest too they're not all like that obviously and right and so it's one of those things where mark and terry's places they're they're you know they're set up to to do this sort of thing so there's no intrusion very little intrusion they they plant a lot of food and they leave it there you know so it's just it's just set up differently we understand that you know it's not your typical you know farm but Mm -hmm. um you know that said there's still you know that i know more and more people that have farms that are becoming that way because they're using the same strategies yeah and it 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 mirrors what i face hunting in suburbia i mean it's not like poor tim there's a ton of deer in suburbia there's two there are just too many yeah and obviously there are safety issues and things with that but it's hard to find a really good buck because you know like what you're saying wade there's just, there's a lot of social stress. There's a lot of social stress on the food resource that's there. And yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, Chad, thank you for uh, leaving us the question. Sorry, we made fun of, fun of you a little bit, but we kid because we love. <laughs> if, if you, <laughs> that's a great note. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> There you That's go. Right. Um, if you want to leave a question, just go to the, the link in the show notes, click that, and then click send uh, voicemail, leave your name, location, and quick question. We'll do our best to get it answered on the show. All you right. boys ready for the wildlife word? Let's do it. The, yeah, Hunter Bubba Hall is not ready for this. but No, he's tuned out. Let's, <laughs> hey, Bubba, this is where you tune out. <laughs> so, right. so it's another multiple choice. The word is cryptorchidism. Cryptorchidism. Is it a, a birth defect where both testicles remain in the abdominal cavity of a buck? Wade. <laughs> Is it A, when a fawn's... A. Um, um, <laughs> okay, Wade's on for A and he hasn't heard anything else. When a fawn's umbilical cord never detaches and forms a hardened whip-like appendage. C, a branch of cryptozoology maintained that all cervids, including whitetails, were transplanted by aliens. Or D... A condition where one or both of Whitetail's antlers spontaneously combust rather than normally shed. Hmm. <laughs> I think it's got to be A or B. I thought you were going to have a Superman reference or something on here. I was waiting Krypton. for that. Yeah. yeah. Come on, man. Sorry. <laughs> no. I, 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 I'm going to go with uh, B. Okay. So the, one of the Fonz umbilical cord det- never detaches and forms a hardened whip-like appendage. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with B. <laughs> I guess I didn't hear that. <laughs> I'm going to go with A. Use for defense. 
You suck, Matt. <laughs> All right. I can't read. <laughs> Wade and, and Matt are both down for a, a birth effect where both testicles remain in the abdominal cavity of a buck. And that's absolutely true. A I lot, it. A lot of times, of course, a lot of times bucks that have this condition will their 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 antler cycle will be off like they'll maintain their velvet way longer in the year than they normally should i see i killed a deer like that uh shoot it's probably back in oh six i think and it, it was crazy it had velvet it just so one side was kind of ma- mangled a little bit uh-huh. and had velvet on the other side was like 160 class oh, deer geez. and had velvet on it and he was limping real bad well i i killed him and when we came up on him his body was like mush it was like he had Ugh, been like atrophy it, it was weird it was totally weird. i don't know what what was going like if he got hit by a car or if he had been shot before or what we had no idea but wow. did a uh, favor yeah he had velvet still kind of on his rack or whatever weird so were the, were the testicles up in the abdominal cavity yeah. that's the real question that you know i don't recall off huh. the top of my head isn't that the first thing you check I, have these things descended yet <laughs> hey two hundred dollars is two hundred dollars i mean someone's gonna pay to do it might as well. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably about as good a time as any to shut this thing down. No, no, no. I want to hear some oh, dirt, dirt on Mark. Dirt on Mark. Okay. Um, I don't know. Like he's oh, he's always giving me a hard time for for my first interview. Um, it's not really dirt on Mark. It's just a funny story about Mark. And so I come up for my first interview, nineteen. You know, in college and. I walk in and I sit in his recliner. That was my first mistake. <laughs> Never my seen another mistake man. Did you, kick the, did you kick the footrest back too? That was my second mistake. Oh jeez! <laughs> I kicked my foot back, threw my hands behind my head, and uh, so Started you got any questions for me? <laughs> and he tells me this story now. He's like, "That kid is either the dumbest son of a gun I ever met, or or cocky." And he said. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> but that's a pretty bold a power move. move. That yeah. is a power move. Me not knowing anything about anything and just wow. being 19 and dumb. And the, uh, the only thing worse you could have done is kept your boots on. <laughs> if you had your boots. I did. Oh. <laughs> I kept my boots on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Trifecta. So he, he goes back and he said that's why he initially hired me. Um, was he said he, he's got to figure this out and he's still trying to figure it out. That's why he's <laughs> keeping me around. Uh, he told me that when he hired you, when you came, your truck was spotless. He always looks inside the vehicle to see if it's trashed or if it's spotless. He goes, you could tell a lot about a person when when it's like that. And he said, yours was spotless. And he goes, he must've just cleaned it because everything (laughs) he's got since has been a pigsty. (laughs) Exactly. So just clean it before make it make sure everything looks nice you know that's right and uh, yep it, it was it all it was all immaculate but I, that is probably one of my biggest downfalls is organization so hey you know what i'm sure mark never gets on you about it <laughs> is there no, an offer no not feedback? at all <laughs> yeah so. <laughs> yeah well I, I i'm still gonna wait for that we're gonna have you back on and start thinking about some dirt on mark because i know you oh, got yeah. it something that's friendly stuff. to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> maybe make sure to have a second job lined up just in case things go <laughs> just south. Case, just, yeah. just saying, you know, exactly. it, m- m- I think Forrest and, and Wade have, have made themselves pretty invaluable to Mark and Terry. It's not that they couldn't move on without them, but it sure would be hard oh, because yeah. these guys, <laughs> they do work their butts off and Mark and Terry, as they get a little bit older, they've it's when you trust someone to basically 
have the keys to your gate, you know, it's and, a big and deal. it is a big deal. And they trust these guys. And that's the hardest part of, of hiring somebody and bringing them into the fold and to yeah. have the trust in them. Not, not just the work ethic side, which these guys have, mm -hmm. but the trust to, that they're not going to screw you screw something up on your property yeah. or, you know, do something they shouldn't be doing. And so it's, uh, these guys are invaluable in a lot of ways. No doubt. And they get to kill a few deer along the way. Wade. What's that? I was saying you guys get to kill a few deer along the way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Wade's the son Mark never had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we have a lot of fun together for sure. And, and so. much uh, less of a pain in the butt than Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> you actually get up I for try. the morning hunts. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should probably let Wade get back to work. He took a few minutes out. And we All appreciate right. that. Yep. You Back to the analogics and, and uh, Reconyx cameras. <laughs> All righty. We got a stack of the, the new cell cameras here waiting for you guys. So once Mark Perfect. comes back in the studio, I'm sure you'll be uh, putting out the new cell cameras and we're going to see how they do. Yep. Pictures will be rolling in. All righty. Sweet. Well, wait is here because our viewers and listeners requested it. If you guys think of anyone else that you want on the show, just let us know in the comments. All right. Thanks, Wade. Good after today. Thank you guys. Good luck this season. Have a good can't, day. can't wait to see yeah. what you guys put down. Every hunt starts with a game plan, like knowing when and what to plant. So get DeerCast and get ahead of your game.